0: Prepare,
1: Married to who? put it <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: The, uh, the fun part of this podcast is how much work we put into it before we hit record, which is <laughs> none at all. <laughs> Jill finished watching this eight minutes ago. <laughs> to be
0: fair, it was a rewatch of the last episode because I fell asleep for the last two.
2: Ah. Well, I fully intended today to rewatch episodes four and five because I don't know what happened. I didn't. I just goofed off. I watched yeah. two episodes of Next Level Chef on Hulu.
0: I fell asleep for episodes four and a half, five, and six, and I <laughs> just re-watched six, so <laughs> five is as much of a surprise to me as uh, most.
2: Oh, welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where a couple of couples watch Doctor Who for the very first time. My name is Jake. With me is half of those couples, Jill and Alex. Terry's here, too. No and Sam this week, they're busy, and Terry is on location watching their pod babies while they do their busyness. Terry, how's everything going over there?
3: Uh, they're both finally asleep. Uh, hopefully the young one will not start screaming anytime soon, but we'll find out. Oh, they will.
2: <laughs> uh, Get a shift on. Hey, I just poured myself one. I'm going to sound a little dry tonight because uh, I'm having a very dry Cabernet Sauvignon.
0: Mm-hmm. Having a very had... wet beer. Nice.
1: <laughs> like the <laughs> wettest beer you could think of. It's so moist.
0: It's called the Spectre.
2: Do you ever you know how like when you're taking the the plastic off around the cork and sometimes it's like really sharp? Like, it's a hard plastic. Oh, yeah. Cut the shit out of my thumb. It was bleeding everywhere. Yeah, you gotta be careful with that with whiskey bottles, too, because
1: they use, like, a metal Uh, film, and it'll, yeah, it'll get you.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's basically, it's like, yeah, it's like a metal. Uh, But had a great uh, prosciutto and broccoli creamy soup from Home Chef that I cooked tonight. That sounds amazing. Sounds so good. Figured this Cabernet would go perfect with it, and you know what? I was right. Man, you classy as fuck.
0: Prosciutto Mm -hmm. broccoli soup. That's you should uh, screenshot that recipe and send it this way.
2: I will. It's crazy easy. There's like five ingredients.
0: That sounds real
2: good. Yeah, finally get Terry out of my house. Decided to treat myself.
3: Yeah, what the hell.
2: (laughs) 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 This week we're here to talk about the Reign of Terror, written by Dennis Spooner. That name will come up again and again later. Directed by Henry Kirsch, aired August eighth through September twelfth, nineteen sixty four. Alex, yeah. Out of one hundred and fifty six classic Doctor Who stories, where do you think this one fell? One o five. Jill, same question. Go oh,
0: ninety two.
2: Oh
3: wow! Okay, Terry. I'm going to say 135.
2: Alex was insanely close. It's 107. Ooh. That's really going to help. So what I've been doing with this game is I average out your guys' score or how far you are away to give you a score. Terry's by far in the lead because he's he missed the one week where everybody was off by a bunch. But that, <laughs> yes, there, Alex. Uh, is going to get you right back in the game. Hell yeah. I didn't know it was a game to be in. <laughs> that
0: we are done oh, with games.
2: Everything is a game. We gamble <laughs> on everything. Follow our Twitter next year for the Royal Rumble if you want to gamble on it, because <laughs> oh, we yeah. did this week. Hey, Jill. Yep. What'd you think of the Reign of Terror?
0: I, despite falling asleep, uh, I did like it. Like, I, I liked the just kind of historical... Like when I went into it not looking for so much of a story, but looking for just like of a, a historical information, um, I, then I liked it a lot. Like I didn't, I didn't think it was really strong. If it was, you know, a standalone not telling about history, mm-hmm. I don't think I'd love it. But just knowing that they're like trying to educate the audience and um, you know putting real life things into Doctor Who with a whole. Big Tardis team, right? I liked it.
2: Yeah, actually, I have something interesting to say about that. Um, after the, or in, in a few minutes, but uh, remind me, Alex, what do you think? I
1: enjoyed it. It was neat. Uh, the French go hard, and <laughs> and then now they're like super chill bros. So maybe maybe we got something as America to look forward to. <laughs> right, you're coming in pretty hot
2: compared to Joe right now. Jesus, really? just just in my ears i mean if if it looks right it looks right who knows i I don't know what to no you're you're fine i mean don't worry about it much but just those two that the short interaction i just had with both of you was noticeably different did you notice terry
3: uh no sorry i stepped away for a sec god damn it terry you're (laughs) the producer (laughs) (laughs) Terry, what'd you think of this one? I don't know. It was hard to watch. I felt there was far too many characters and half of them died very quickly that you really didn't understand who was who and what was going on.
2: <laughs> the animation didn't help with the who's who. No, not at all. <laughs> um, Yeah, for myself, so like I've, this is the only existing or, like, published DVD First Doctor story that I had never seen. I did my original First Doctor watch through in, like, 2011, and I think this came out in 2012. I might be wrong on those dates, but something around there. And all I've heard forever is that this episode sucks. And there's a couple fun podcasts that I listen to that are going through this era also a little bit ahead of us, like... The um, Doctor Who on the Rocks podcast. Um, Our friends over at Adventure Time and Space just skipped this one because it's not on um, BritBox. But I actually had a really nice time. It helped that Terry and I watched it together. So we were goofing off. We were making jokes like the stuff that is kind of not great quality wise. We were just having (laughs) fun with. Yeah we were making a lot of jokes about sucking dicks um <laughs> for various reasons <laughs> yeah french right that's they're they're sexual beings <laughs> a lot of like terry saying the french aren't good at kissing and me being like we call it french kissing you fucking moron <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that so i i had fun watching it maybe that colored it a bit um the animation is awful and as we'll see we're we're going to get a lot of these animations as we go through the the 60s they're done by different companies this is one of the very first ones to do it um but I'll rant about that a little bit later um who's got some stuff
1: so on the animation i felt like initially seeing it like happen like the first few minutes i was like wow this is a lot better than the other animations i've seen but then as it went on, they just reused the same uh, same shots, the same shots, the same animations of like the doctor turning around and like stuff like that. It was noticeable.
2: Stuff like that I don't care about. And the animation there it is like a style and it's a style different yeah. from any of the other animations we'll watch. What I didn't like about it is that the was the direction. It's very different from the other four episodes, Mm. and it's shot in a way, or directed in a way, because it's not shot. It's directed in a way that is so different from anything in Doctor Who in the 20th century. like. Someone would be saying a sentence, and you'd have, like, a close-up of their face, and then a close-up of their mouth, and then pull back to their, yeah. a wide shot of their face again. That never happens there in was, 60s Doctor Who. It was a lot They're of hard cuts. A lot of fast cuts. Cutting, cutting yeah. constantly. It was like yeah. watching a Michael Bay film. It was fucking <laughs> e- exhausting. And, uh, it was just... I, I made notes about it that um I haven't even bothered pulling up. <laughs> yeah. Basically that, like, when Barbara's talking to Leon, particularly, like, watch that scene in episode four, and just the amount of cuts that happen in a scene where you know the actual episode is just a wide shot of the room and two people talking. Yeah, And maybe there's one or two cuts to a, to a single, and maybe there's, like, a zoom in and then zoom back out. Like, in the the jail scenes with Barbara and Susan. The the camera's kind of moving along with them as they're walking from one side of the room to the other, and then once in a while, they'll do a cut to just Susan's face when she's talking, and then back out to the wide. That's it. In, like, a three-minute scene, it maybe happens twice, but in, in the animation for that, it's constant, nonstop movement, and mm. it's, it's not just exhausting, it's nauseating. It's... I... I had so much trouble focusing on what was actually happening because I was just furious over who decided that this is how this (laughs) had to be. Well,
1: I felt the way that they were doing some of those like hard, hard shots to like the close up of the eyes and then it'd be like shifting around. So like, is it like, oh, this character is evil, doesn't believe what Barbara is saying? Like, what what is what does this mean? And was it acted that way? live action like i don't think it was like no he wasn't being i'm sure he wasn't being shifty
2: then and then also for a lot of this like you have the audio and you'll see when we do i mean you have the audio for all of them and you'll see when we do animated episodes later that sometimes there's like shuffling that you can hear but it's not shown yeah and sometimes they'll show something that they know is going to come up. So like, Hey, this thing has to be in somebody's hand later. So we have to show it. Whereas in this one, every little shuffle or bang, they had to show on camera, like this person's (laughs) feet moving their hand touching a thing, like just constant, like addressing the sound, which like, I understand wanting to keep the authentic sound, but it was, you know, from, at the time this DVD was made, 40 years ago, or 50 years ago. Just let some things go. <laughs> like, and, <laughs> and Alex and I have talked about this a lot when we've recorded Brothers. Like, there's a difference in the animations between a story that's completely missing every episode, so it's completely animated, and ones that have existing episodes, but not all of them. Because when the animators have to fill in those missing episodes, they're forced to make the episodes match the live-action ones. And I like those ones more because they're... You would imagine they're more like how it actually is. Whereas for some of them, when they don't have any restrictions, they can make these big, wide worlds that you know it didn't look like because they're shooting on these tiny little sets. Yeah. And in in one way, that's nice that we can, like, reimagine the story in a different way. But on the other hand, I want to know what it looked like when it happened, and I never will. And in this, they they know what had happened. They have four out of six episodes. Like, they have shots in that room, in that, like, safe house. And they decide, fuck it. <laughs> I want to show everybody how good of a director I am.
0: <laughs> Two things. How did they have the original audio?
2: Um, They have the audio for all of them. Most of, a lot of them come from fans who were recording it off the TV during original broadcast. Like, just a tape recorder up to the speaker of the TV.
0: Second thing, so you said <laughs> this came out in 2012,
2: right? So Around there, yeah.
0: So that's when this animation was made? Yeah. Okay, so I was real forgiving in my head about the animation, <laughs> being like, oh, it's real old. No. So when you said it came out in 2012, I'm now shocked they didn't, and appalled. They didn't
2: put money into it. That's for sure. Yeah, no money. Like, made for pennies. Like, nobody's buying this except for nerds like us.
0: there's enough Doctor Who fans, and, like,
2: there's there's gotta be just,
0: like, Doctor Who people that are passionate about it. Look how many
2: people watch Doctor Who right now. So, let's say 2012. We're in the early Matt Smith era. Let's say we're getting 6 million people an episode. Like, maybe... 3% of those people buy the DVDs of New Who. And, you know, a tenth of that percentage would bother buying a classic Who. But there's gotta be someone who,
0: like, is real good at animation, who just loves Doctor Who.
2: He's like, (laughs)
0: hey, you know what? As, like, my retirement hobby, I'm gonna make this good.
2: There are, like, there are some missing episodes that have been recreated by, like, college students for, like, their. They're like, film and production final that they have to do. And some of them, they, like, get proper Doctor Who actors to come in and do it. And maybe we'll check those out. There is, um, coming up, there's a one-episode story that's missing that has none of the actors in it, and it's all about the Daleks. Maybe, and, like, some college recreated it a few years ago, and the BBC actually put it on their own YouTube channel, so maybe we'll check that out one day. Give me one second. I'm going to go grab the box of this DVD and make sure I'm getting the dates right.
3: I was going to say on top of the animation stuff, uh, it looks like it was all like a 3D form that they put the picture on and then we're rotating it around. When watching it, um, there would be times where they would be in the, the dining room with Barbara and uh Frenchman. I forget his name. Um, But, like, the camera would be zooming in, and, like, you could see, like, the table in the foreground was slowly shifting towards you. And, like, it was, I thought a lot of the work into that type of stuff did really well. Um, But, yeah, looking at the doctor and, like, not seeing, like, shadow lines really well, like, his jawline disappeared, and it would just be, like, this giant, flat, skin thing going on through all half of his head there's,
2: there's a lot of japanese anime it looks exactly like that like it was yeah. a style choice and i'm fine with all that i don't i don't know direction enough about that really
1: anime styles to like know. like i i'm sure it it was and like is is that style normally black and white or did they keep it black and white for the style of the show and... Yeah, it wasn't until
2: later that they started offering color versions of the yeah. animations. Again, this was kind of like a one-off. Like, the other... Like, I know they did the um, the animation for the last episode of the First Doctor's last story, uh, The Tenth Planet. But then, it was quite a while before they started... It's very recent that they started doing the animations for missing episodes. And now they've stopped.
1: Hmm.
2: Uh, 2013, by the way, I went and grabbed a box from the DVD to look at. Mm. While we're talking about the releases of this, so this entire story was missing, all six episodes, until 1982, a private collector had a copy of episode six. And it wasn't a very good one. That was it? But he had it, and he returned it to, to the BBC. Then in 1985, the four existing episodes, one, two, three, and six, were found at a television station in Cyprus, which is an island in the Mediterranean. Hmm. That radio station or that TV station had the other two episodes, but they were destroyed in a bombing during their civil war. In like 74. Jeez. Something. I don't know if you call it a civil war. The TARDIS wiki calls it a civil war. The Cyprus Wikipedia <laughs> calls it a coup where Greece tried taking over Cyprus. Even a lot of the episodes we've watched, like when you look at the I, I don't often put it into the fun facts, but it's a lot of like, oh, this didn't exist until 1980, whatever, when some guy was like, Oh, I have this, here you go. <laughs> or they've went and found it at a Mediterranean TV station
1: like what are these places doing with their storage where they just have stuff around and they don't know
2: it's there but that's the thing is they're actually storing them the bbc wasn't so like they have a vault where they're putting things in and you know these are on film so they're they get destroyed by oxygen they have to be sealed properly and stored properly and like the you know, the film has like metal filaments in it. So if they get wet, they rust and they're destroyed. And like, you have to be super careful with them. And like, there's no reason for this tiny station in Cyprus. You know, Cyprus today has 1 million, 1.2 million people in it. Like who knows how many they had in the 80s. Like there's no reason for them to be like, oh, I bet the BBC would really like to have this. They just, you know, showed it, put it in a room and maybe they showed it a few more times, you know, on whatever their local stations are.
1: But if you're storing something, you probably have like a ledger of what you're storing, right? Like an maybe, inventory. Or maybe
2: you just have like a really diligent intern who is like, oh, we got to make sure these are packaged really nicely. And then they get stashed somewhere. Hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Like the story behind every recovered Doctor Who is amazing. <laughs> okay. So you guys watched all six of these at once. I did, yeah. <laughs> so that's not how I would encourage doing this. I, I enjoyed <laughs> it. It
1: was not like the... So during the first episode, you know, they got to the place and, you know, it was mentioned that this is, like, the Doctor's favorite Earth period. Yeah. And just because it's, like, crazy and awesome. Um, So then, like, I just... Like I went on my phone real quick and just looked up like the Cliff Notes of of the French Revolution because I had no idea. Like I have I haven't seen or read any media on it. Like I have nothing, right. and that just that little bit helped a lot because it mentioned Robespierre and it's like oh shit, like that's that really crazy dude. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, two cities. It was... That's all I know. It was, yeah, it was it was really interesting. And then, like, at the end, when I saw I was like, oh, so the French Revolution led into, um... Uh, Napoleon. Napoleon, yeah. Led into Napoleon, and so I was like, oh, okay, that's cool, we probably won't see him. And then we saw him at the end, I was like, oh, shit, like, this is
0: cool. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, to kind of piggyback that, I was gonna, you know, I was listening to Doctor Who on the Rocks' episode on this from a few months ago, and they're both, the hosts of that are both learned well educated women and one of them in particular really does like this time period and what they were saying was that for Americans like yeah we don't really learn about the French revolution but european children especially in the 60s and the making of documentary on the dvd kind of emphasizes this too is that this was taught in schools for for british children because they're they're a part of it it's part of british history too yeah and so it was something that they all knew about so you could put out an episode about it and the kids would be like oh we kind of know stuff about this and so it would be easier for a british audience to kind of catch on a little faster maybe yeah children anyhow i mean there were some dark topics in this episode for episode of chill for children <laughs> Episode two is called like a date with a guillotine or something like that.
3: Guest of Madame Guillotine.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: And and then like the um Rofier gets like his jaw shot off at the end. <laughs> it's like holy shit. And then um there was that like rapey scene in the jail with, with Barbara. It's like, oh uh, man. that
2: was that was the reason um Terry and I were talking about uh Dick Sucking most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Like, Barbara, I understand. No person should have to be subjected to a- any, any kind of sexual assault. Terry and I were just sitting in our living room making jokes. We weren't trying to say anything, but I did yell at the TV, come on, Barbara, she's just a child. You can't just suck a dick to save her life. <laughs> because they were sentenced to death. They were going to be executed in the yeah. morning. I'll suck every dick in this place to save my life. And if I have like a 14, 15 year old girl with me, like I'll suck even more just to save her life. Like she's my charge. So that, so that kind of just got us on a bent of just talking about anytime two people went into a room together, (laughs) we were, we were having a lot of fun. Time to suck this dick. Here we go. (laughs) Yep. But Tara and I, we watched the first three episodes and then took a break, knowing that the animated episodes were coming up. Kind of wish we hadn't, because then last night we went and did trivia and got home kind of (laughs) late and then watched the last three. Um, But those first three where you know, the TARDIS team is trying to figure out where they are. The Doctor's crabby because he doesn't want Ian and Barbara to leave. So we're getting that dynamic.
1: Oh, the doctor's, yeah. I forgot about that. The Doctor, that. this
2: whole story is, like, very doctory, and I, I really like the Doctor in this story in particular. Um, So he reluctantly is convinced by Ian to, like, at least see them off, to go outside with them, make sure they are where they say they are. They're not. They're in France and, you know, in the past. They just wander into this house and are... You know, they meet a couple guys who are reluctant to trust them, but do. And then these bandits show up, this army, and take them to Paris to be beheaded. The doctor's left for dead because they set the place on fire. He is saved by a young boy and, you know, treks off to Paris while having his own adventures to go save them. And while he's futzing about being all doctory, impersonating officers and this and that everyone pretty much gets themselves out of all their own trouble well yeah (laughs) susan and susan and barbara are rescued by um some french i don't don't know what they are they're not really rebels they're just kind of like trying just to save people for the sake of saving people
3: are they part of the resistance is that what no
2: they're they specifically said they're they're not on
1: either side they just don't believe anyone should be Led yeah. to the guillotine so this
3: is the oh. reign
1: of
2: terror, like, that's what yeah. this is, is just, yeah. like, the constant accusations of treachery, and just sentencing anyone they find to death, and thus the, the creation of the guillotine was to, like, help make executions faster and cleaner and easier.
1: It's like, it's like their version of the Salem Witch Trials, like, is just, yeah. like, anyone you didn't like, like, you're
2: a traitor! Didn't even bother with pretense. There's <laughs> like, you're all you're all traitors. Yeah.
3: They had the line in there of uh what was it, three hundred and forty some executions in nine days.
2: And right. I was wondering
3: if that was like legit real or was that just a random number thrown out. And that's
1: that's just in Paris. Like apparently yeah. there's
2: regions that have their own numbers. Oh yeah, because the doctor's character was from another region. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we need to get together to chat about your numbers. And there's just these guys that are like, we just need to try to rescue people from being murdered as as uh, traitors. So yeah, those first three episodes were great.
3: Oh, I, I have loved no problem them.
2: with them. From from what I've heard about people that don't like this, they're people that know more about the French Revolution and the Reign of Terror than I do, and so they're like, well, that's not you know. There's a lot of just complaining, whereas I'm like. Uh, hey, look a horse! <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, and I'm over here like, man, France goes hard. Like, the world
1: was a crazy oh, France place. France always goes
2: hard. How do you think we won the Revolutionary War?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. But since then, they've been pretty chill and pretty awesome group of
2: people. Hey, they're always waiting, <laughs> <laughs> with their baguettes. We should just go drop some bombs on them once in a while, just to oh, let them know no, we know no. they're there.
1: Not Thanks. the French people. <laughs>
2: There's some comedian that used to say that about Germany, like every 10 years (laughs) we just drop a bomb on Germany just to be like, just so you remember.
3: (laughs) There was a scene in the second episode. uh, It's when Ian's thrown into jail and he's. uh, Oh, the wounded guy is in there and he's saying his last words and stuff. I laughed so hard when he died. (laughs) But it was a
2: very funny, like theater death. (laughs) Yeah. But that's the thing, like, <laughs> TV in the 60s is still really new, and a lot of these actors are theater actors, yeah, and they're doing theater performances, and and then the kind of TV you're getting is very arch, and, like, we've seen, like, good actors come into Doctor Who in the 21st century remembering Doctor Who from their childhood, and, like, really playing up their villain character in this very arch and campy way. And it just not working with today's television, mm-hmm. but you know, in the sixties and seventies, and on Doctor Who in the eighties, <laughs> it's really <laughs> just how how it was, and that that scene was very funny. But that
1: death reminded me of Kung Pow Enter the Fist, where like his master was dying, and he's like, "I'm dying," ah, <laughs> uh. he's like, "No," and he's like, "I'm not dead yet." You thought I was dead just because <laughs> I went ah. Uh. it was funny
3: oh and some of the lines in there too beginning of the third episode (laughs) when barbara and susan are taken off to be beheaded uh some of the frenchmen save them but there's like the whole talk ahead of time of like there's two of us but there's five of them but with the element of surprise it's like we have five people, so that's three people equal surprise. And they say, like,
2: this element of surprise is worth four people, four men. Yeah. Like, really? <laughs> that, and, or and Terry goes, really? And I just sort of go, Yeah, everyone knows that.
3: Surprise equals four men. Come on. <laughs> and then Jake says, Yeah, and they all have single-shot guns, so it's gonna be great. <laughs> right. <laughs> they're they're
2: two men, they each have two guns. When he asks him how many guards there are, he's like, six, maybe five. There turns out to be four. <laughs> But they do not have enough guns <laughs> no <laughs> if there were more and the only reason there's only four is because one guy had to go off with the horse
3: oh, God. oh yeah
1: yeah in that fight scene though uh you saw them shoot their guns and then uh he had to like pick up the rifle of a dead guy to shoot the last guy like ah yes that's that's some crazy warf like if you go in knowing you have one shot like man
2: what have you missed you are just fucked <laughs>
0: That's, That's crazy.
2: crazy. Don't miss. Well, then that whole scene brings up something I really do want to talk about, which is the set design. I think the set design in this whole story is fantastic. Yeah, it felt... All the places felt really cool and different. Yeah, that street, you know, the place where the doctor is shopping, the, the whole jail set, I think it looks great. The kind of courtyard inside of the wall but outside of the house for the first episode and it was you know they shot this at um at their studio i'm blanking on the name of it i only made myself remember it like 20 times today so i wouldn't forget and of course i have but after the third episode i think they moved to bbc television center which is a much bigger studio and doesn't set the sprinklers off when the lights get too hot and so they they had like kind of like those those french street scenes um the sets were in there and they it the the director and everyone i'll just get into the whole thing the director henrik hirsch was in way over his head he had never directed anything before uh verity lambert saw like a play he had directed and was like, oh, he's great, we'll hire him. He had never directed TV, he was Dutch, so he didn't know any English actors. The production assistant, who's all over the DVD, if you watch the making of stuff, uh, Timothy Combe, like did some of the casting for him, because he knew, like he'd been around, he knew some British actors. And during the second or third episode, he was like, having such a hard time, and Caroline Ford is on the DVD, and she's like, he was a prick, we didn't get along, I didn't really like his style. Uh, he ended up collapsing from, like, stress. Whoa. And had, like, a medical emergency. On the DVD, it's so funny, nobody will say who directed the rest of the day. Like, the actors are like, oh, I think it was Timothy Comb. And, Tim- and then it cuts to Timothy Combe, who's like, it wasn't me. And then he's like, hey, it might have been this guy who directed Keys of Marinus. Or it might have been this other guy who was a director in the building. And they're like, they called Verity Lambert down. But she's like, I don't know how to run a studio. And then uh, Carol Ann Ford was like, this person was telling us what to do. Verity was telling us what to do. Then this other person was telling us what to do. And she was just petting a, the horse the whole time because she loves horses. So she had no idea anything was going on. <laughs> and William Russell was on vacation for two weeks. So he didn't know anything was going on. But apparently after after he recovered, um, again, Tim Combe, the production assistant, like went and talked to the guy and was like, hey, how about I do like all the camera setups and I do this other like he took some jobs off of him to be like, hey, how about I help you out? And he's like, that'd be awesome. Thank you so much. And apparently after that point, after episode three, and then helped. Helping that also was the move to BBC Television Center because the studio is just nicer and easier to work in. All that combined together to make a much easier environment and everybody kind of calmed down. But apparently those first three weeks of shooting, everybody was kind of really on edge with each other and having a a really tough time. And then Hmm. it, it calmed down quite a bit. And if you look at the shots and the... The whole, like, I, obviously we can't see episode four and five, but I think it's actually directed really well.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't have any, I guess, issues with the live action directing. I didn't nope. really
2: notice any issues. I thought some of it was fantastic. Like, yeah, like the shot of Ian when he's looking out the window is Barbara and Susan are being taken away to the guillotine and like the moonlight on his face. And it, there's just some really interesting things going on. I thought the, um,
1: like you had mentioned the sets, like that prison felt huge. And like being able yeah. to shoot and direct in that space. And then like you had said, like it would follow them into the cells and out and all that. Like it it must have been a huge set.
2: And that was just one location. Yeah. Um, speaking of the prison and again, bringing up the fact that uh, William Russell was on vacation, he so he shot all of his jail cell scenes ahead of time so that they could keep like cutting back to him and kind of interspersing them. But then the one thing Caroline Ford had a problem with was there's the scene where her and Barbara are being put in their cell and they're yelling to the cell across the way like because they know Ian's in there. And they're like Ian, 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 and then uh, and Ian like never comes up to the door and is like, "Oh yeah, I- I'm here or anything," because he wasn't there. <laughs> and he comes back from vacation, and the director has had an episode, and you know everyone's just been having such a hard time, and he's like, he had no idea anybody was going on. He's he's on the DVD, William Russell, uh, as as always, he's still with us. Nice. Jill, what you got?
0: I like Terry said earlier. Had a real hard time keeping all the characters separate. I don't yep. know if it was like the black and whiteness, or
1: she looked at me as like, so that guy went to the meeting. And I was like, no, oh, that's a completely different character, and it's just like colo, like generic
2: colonial-looking dude. <laughs> so I it's understandable, track of but
0: any of them at all, especially episode six. Like
2: I it's... thought I was doing okay, but those animation scenes or episodes really hurt the being able to keep track of who is who. And again, like I was so focused on my anger that I wasn't paying attention to the story.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know, the whole the whole sixth episode that I just watched right before recording is a disaster still in my mind. Yeah. It's like these two are going to a meeting and then this these other people are also meeting but then these people didn't make it to the meeting. I don't know. It's it's just a lot.
2: Well, like I got like the guy who turned out to be the good guy. Like I knew him. Like I I knew him because he'd been around. He was at the jail. And I do really like the bar scene where like Ian and Barbara are pretending to work in the bar, and they cut a peephole into the other room. Like that was all cool and fun.
1: I I really like the espionage part of that. Yeah.
2: Yeah yeah. yeah. But, yeah, the constant, like, oh, here's four guys all dressed the same on the in the jail set, or here's four guys all dressed the same in the living room set. Like, those, when those scenes were tough. Like, imagine they being a were... seven-year-old, and you're on week five of this bullshit. Oh, God. <laughs> and you're just like, <laughs> we get it. What's happening? Yeah. Where's the fucking Daleks? <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, you'll see, was, like, you know, in those Dalek episodes, they're getting, you know, 10, 11, 12 million viewers, and this one got, like, 6.9, which, speaking of sucking dicks, any American uh, broadcaster would suck a million of them for 6.9 million viewers of anything, but uh, back then, you know, it's good enough to keep going.
0: I also thought the, was it purposefully Susan Light?
2: No. It was, it's so funny because on, on the DVD and on the commentaries, Caroline Ford is like, oh, this is one of my favorites. I really like the historicals. I like them more than the space ones. And uh, she, Susan, does absolutely nothing in this story. She's just sick and whiny the yeah. whole time. Like, they're escaping. They've opened a door to the sewer. They can get out. And Susan's like, I can't. There's rats. They're going to cut our fucking heads off in the morning. Like, we can go hang out with some rats. Like, I'll make them my parents. Like, we will live with them forever. They're going to kill us in hours. And Susan's like, I can't do it. You can't make me. (laughs) And then when, like, when they're in the cart and, like, the horse stops because he threw a shoe, she's like, just kill me now, <laughs> fuck this world. I am out.
1: Get a shift on. Yeah, she she did nothing.
2: That was that is very apt. Ian didn't do a ton either, but he literally was on vacation. Um, Babs had a couple almost nip slips in her dress. What? Ter- Terry pointed one out to
3: me. There were mm-hmm. a few others. Huh. Yeah, the design of her outfit uh, when she was, like, digging in the cell to get out, uh, that was, like, the whole open chest. Like, it just, Uh there's no form holding it, so.
2: I see. Okay. Um, and she, she, you know, she's, like, had a little thing with, like, that Leon guy, where she was kind of into him. Is that the right guy? (laughs) He, he
1: he ended up being bad.
2: Yeah. Oh, the pinstripe
3: suit. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Also, did we see that guy in live action, or was that only in the
2: animation?
3: No, he was live action. In yeah, uh, he was
2: he was at the end of episode three. Three. Oh, okay. But on the DVD, they have some color photos of them shooting those scenes, and their costumes are so fantastic. They look so good, and the doctor's costume is amazing. Like it's red, white, and blue. Like it's the French flag colors. Nice. It's not. It's not just black and white. Like it looks so good. But of course, we just have set photos of that. And, uh, I I highly recommend checking them out.
1: The doctor had to probably take, like, an hour to put all that shit on. God, he had, had like, layers (laughs) on layers. I can't imagine him just, like, being
2: not sweaty. Well, yeah, in those studios, they get hot.
3: Oh, well, he didn't have to do anything physical. He just had to stand and walk. That's all he had to do.
2: (laughs) But another thing um, they were saying is, so... Uh, William Hartnell, he gets really frustrated with directors where he doesn't feel like they know what they're doing. And according to Caroline Ford on this DVD, like William Hartnell and we we see it in that docudrama um, adventure in space and time, he's very self-conscious. like he's a good actor, but he's very nervous about doing this role and this thing that he's never done before, this children's sci-fi show. And so when a director comes in that isn't wildly confident, he immediately just gets really grumpy. And apparently he did calm down and become quite affable near the end. But he was quite prickly in those beginning scenes. And you can kind of see it a little bit. But this was one of my favorite first Doctor episodes because he's by himself apart from the group and like figuring shit out and like, rolling nat 20s on the charisma against people (laughs) and just like convincing everybody that he's like he he just walks in and just owns a place it's so good yeah like gets a chain gang like all on his side to uh to fight against their oppressor (laughs) and now all these uh tax dodgers are free to live among (laughs) the rest of us as he beats (laughs) him with a shovel yeah, they really had to do that cut to the guy snoring to let you know he wasn't dead. Right. <laughs> because I was, the Doctor I was like, just bludgeoned him. I was like, did the Doctor just kill a guy? Like, what is this episode? <laughs> but that, that was a fun scene, and William Hartnell was great in it. And he, this the writer, Dennis Spooner, who we'll talk about more because he, he becomes a big part of Doctor Who. He'll, he writes a lot more episodes. He'll be the script editor uh, one day. He adds this element of humor into his episodes that we don't necessarily see with a lot of other writers. And uh, that aspect of it was really good. And and William Hartnell's good at that. And you wouldn't necessarily associate him with like being really good at the humor parts. But we'll see pretty soon an episode that is just a... Or a story that is just a flat-out comedy. And William Hartnell's amazing in it. Nice. Does he do his little like doctor hoo 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 like so the poo? You've,
1: you've seen oh, that you know he... it. Oh okay. Yeah, that's my favorite like first doctor thing is when he gets excited and giddy, he just starts making <laughs> these noises and yeah. it's awesome.
2: Jill, you got something to break up this sausage fest?
0: <laughs> I don't <laughs>
2: <laughs> this French sausage fest. <laughs> All right. Well, we're getting pretty long in the tooth here, and we barely talk about the episode. We kind of just talk about production, which is fine. um Because what else are you could talk about? There is one last thing I want to mention, which is this is, and I was wondering when watching it with Terry, and I found out it is the first story to have location shooting in it. Like they go outside with an actor to to show the doctor like walking out in the in the grass fields and along a french road oh and that that actor was not william hartnell it was yet another actor to play the first doctor we will see so many but that guy's name was brian proudfoot <laughs> you might con- <laughs> you could just consider him a stunt double everybody has stunt doubles but i am going to consider him as a an actor who has played the first doctor because he's in multiple scenes i want to use i want to use his name as like a DD character that's, that's <laughs> amazing like just a gnome archer brightfoot so we have seen for this podcast four different actors play the first doctor we've seen william hartnell we have now seen Brian proudfoot we've seen david bradley play him in the 12th Doctor's finale, and we've seen a young boy called Michael Jones play him when he's the little boy sleeping in the barn in the episode Listen, when Clara goes and talks to him. So we've seen four actors play the first Doctor. I think there's at least two more. (laughs) And so uh, it's, it's one of it's fascinating because it, like, only happens with the first Doctor that just multiple people play him over a course of time. So I wanted to point that out.
1: Yeah, that's... I I guess I I didn't even consider, like, the kid playing the Doctor because, that, of course, that was the first time. That's weird that, like, when a Time Lord regenerates, they don't go back to kid form. So once they're an
2: adult, they're always an adult. That's, maybe yeah. hard to say who knows yeah river regenerated to a kid but she was a kid wait what? she went from kid to kid
1: yeah yeah she was like it was like you can never go back it's always equal or above no oh wait no you're, you're right Capaldi
3: cause... turned into jody
1: yeah you're right yeah, yeah.
2: turns into trump
3: yeah yeah, 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 yeah. so but who never, knows like we a, could have a teenage like a child like,
2: never never like adolescence But could you imagine, I think they talked about it on the most recent, neither the time nor the space, like, what if you got a really good child actor to play the Doctor?
1: That would be amazing. Right? I don't know if they can handle the stress. (laughs)
0: Also, I don't think good child actors exist.
2: Oh, there's good child actors. I don't think so. I think you have a better chance of finding
1: a, like, a good child
2: theater actor. Terry, did you say Shirley Temple? Yeah. You're <laughs> get the, the worst. Get the fuck she was a star. Shirley Temple wasn't a good actor, or she would have continued being famous as an adult. She was a performer who was cute as a button.
0: Yeah, doesn't she just play herself?
3: She was a song and dance lady. Oh yeah, and now she, what is it? She's a, what are they, when they're um a representatives solace. of themselves oh. in other countries? A delicate? Ambassador? Ambassador. Oh, ambassador. She's an ambassador now.
2: Of what country oh, she was, yeah. but. Yeah, she died like eight years ago, right?
3: Probably. I mean, she's fucking old. But, what yeah, mean she, When when She's an ambassador to the her... Czech Republic. Yeah. Oh. She
2: died in 2014. Almost exactly eight years ago. Like eight days away from eight years ago.
3: <laughs> Rest in peace, Shirley Temple.
2: Yeah, we all thought you were pretty decent. Uh,. <laughs> I mean, decent <laughs> enough, like, America has a drink called the Shirley Temple. Yeah. See? She's famous. Yeah? Well, there's no doubt is she's famous. There are like, four movie stars in the 40s. <laughs> hey, you want to tweet? Give it to me. Tweet. So, I didn't tweet out until three hours before we started recording, like, oh, hey, <laughs> sorry for the late notice, <laughs> but we're gonna record. Um, so only BT Flippity Gigat got back to us, um... They say, feels pretty bland, especially compared to the stuff on either side of it. Very true. Plus, it gets my unrelenting hatred for having Barbara be OOC. At least the doctor gets to have fun playing dress-up, and I'm always a big fan of that. To which I replied, what does OOC mean? Yeah, that's what I was going (laughs) to ask you. What is that? Is that OOC? Of course. Out of character. Out of character. What? Which, I've heard other people say this, and I don't 100% agree with it, um, but it's I believe they're specifically referencing, because the podcast I listened to today, Doctor Who on the Rocks, they brought this up too. Um, I believe they're specifically referencing the scene in which she laughs at their plan to stop Napoleon, because she knows that Napoleon is going to be the leader, he's going to win. Yeah. He's going to name himself emperor. Um and she's just like, doesn't matter what we do, history can't be stopped. And people are saying like, well that's out of character for Barbara because of the Aztecs. I or maybe not even because of the Aztecs. I think because it's just her and the doctor in the scene, she's specifically bringing up the Aztecs to be like, you see I I've learned my lesson. Yeah, and it's can't... kind of it's Can't more a character of a mea alert? culpa than, like, a proper... Like, the fact that she laughs puts people on edge because it's, like, a very serious issue, and she's like, well, you're all fucked anyway, there's nothing we can do. Which is kind of how I think I would behave. <laughs> but... I think because it's specifically just her and the doctor in the scene, it's more of an apology to him, or just a way of showing him that he can trust her and not necessarily wildly out of character, but I I could totally understand why why you would say that it is, and you're probably right because I'm an idiot.
0: Hmm.
3: No, I I agree with that, because I mean she was, she's motherly the whole time towards Susan. uh she reads Susan's Ian. so bad in this one. Well, also true, but <laughs> uh like she tells Ian to go check his history books, so mm-hmm. like she's brought her profession back oh, in. Oh, it like,
2: is Ian that, like, initially brings up where they are in history, and it should have been Barbara.
3: <laughs> yeah. But, no, I thought she was herself the entire time. Like, I don't think that was out of character for her.
2: Yeah, I think she's pretty good in this. Like, she's... there's There's situations where you need her to, like, kind of step up and be in charge, and there's certain situations where you need her to sit back and just kind of let events unfold and in this story that's kind of what she's forced to do but I, I think the story kind of allows for that like it's it kind of makes her seem like she's always paying attention and she always knows what's going on but she also like will be like oh I just came out of the room that Susan's in you and I will talk for 14 seconds and so then I have to be like oh I better go check on Susan <laughs> But that's just TV stuff. Hey, should we get something away? Ooh, do we have something? Oh, we got something. I was gonna, how yeah. many more photos did he buy? We have five copies of this fucking DVD.
1: <laughs> that's right. You, you, you listener, could have a copy we watched, physically.
3: <gasps> oh my god.
2: If you didn't listen last week, uh, because of supply issues on Amazon... I bought two copies, two Region 2 copies of the DVD for this. Um, My PlayStation plays Region 2. For some reason, Cody's doesn't. So I I also bought these like four months ago before we took a big break because Doctor Who came back, uh, Jodie Whittaker, Doctor Who. So when I went on last week to see if they they had them in stock, they did. So I was able to buy Region 1 copies of the DVD. So I have three Region 1s and two Region 2s. But I'm going to hang on to some of those. But let's give away one of each. If you live in America and you want a Region 1 copy... You can live wherever you want. I don't care. I'll mail it anywhere. (laughs) If you have a Region 1 copy of Reign of Terror, tweet us at Married Pod. Just, uh, I will... Put out a tweet when I release this episode saying, hey, this episode's up. Go find it. Reply to that tweet. Hey, I would like that. You can see if someone else has already said it. And if they have, then I'll give it to them. We should get more creative. Like, you should tweet a reply to the
1: tweet that it's released and say, Jake, you're a fucking maniac. Like, just say (laughs) that. Like, that's it.
2: No. (laughs) Aw. (laughs) Aw. Do it for Region 1 or Region 2. Region 2, I know works in the UK. I don't know if it works in other parts of Europe. I have no idea how that works. But yeah. Doctor Who, Raid of Terror DVD. Who doesn't want one of those? They cost almost $12. Uh, Yeah, you're going to spend like $50 (laughs) sending it to someone. (laughs) I think that's everything. Anyone else? Hey, Jill. Mm. (laughs) Yes? Who's your MVP?
0: Okay, well, I've been thinking about that most of the time, and I decided that I was going to give it to Barbara. But then you all had this in-depth conversation about how Barbara sucks.
2: <laughs> our conversations about how Barbara's awesome. Yeah, the tweet said you she sucks. You were not listening to our conversation <laughs> at no, all. No, your
0: conversation is mostly like, yeah, I guess this is out of character. Yeah, she should have done that. But I think all of that was writing and not her acting. I think she did great. So, Me Barbara. too.
2: Alex, who's your MVP?
1: I'm going to go with, um, and I, God, I, some of these names I had trouble remembering, but the, the guy that was bad, but ended up being the guy Ian was looking for, whatever his name is, like John Steele or whatever.
3: Uh, Sterling. Sterling. Sure. Yeah, Yeah. James Sterling.
1: That guy was really good. I enjoyed him a lot. (laughs)
0: Hello.
1: <laughs> they're they're looking it up, I
2: assume. No, the he's not in the credits as John Sterling. He's in the credits as his other name, which I don't know. <laughs> Terry, who's your MVP?
3: I I don't know how to look this one up, so it's on you, Jake. I'm gonna go with the music soundtrack. I thought it oh, was uh just super fun and hilarious at times. They're it just I don't know. Stanley like, Myers. Incidental well music. <laughs> yeah, it was just so funny to watch like a scene and then just like the xylophone be like rrr, rrr. it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> just so good. And then one other thing that I thought was high school acting was <laughs> The French soldiers, whenever they're in a scene and they're talking to each <laughs> other, they're just literally going, like, not actual words. It was so funny.
2: <laughs> so there's one fact in on the TARDIS Wiki about Stanley Myers. He created 28 minutes of original music for the serial, and he tried to take cues from French music... In particular, the National Anthem, which is La Marse- Marseille. Oh, dear. Um, I was very tempted to go with Timothy Combe, or Combe, who, on the DVD, you know, he's one of the few living people, so he gets a lot of FaceTime. He's very good on the DVD. Um, he also gives himself a lot of credit <laughs> on the DVD. Um... So he obviously he definitely deserves uh a lot of accolades, but i'm going to give my m v p to the designer roderick lang or lying it's l a i n g uh he for the set designs i thought the sets were absolutely incredible, and again on the d v d the actors all thought so as well, and i think it really helps during a troubled production which this was to at least have an environment that looks good because it it solves a lot of problems or at least hides a lot of problems when your sets just look good. So good, good on you, production designer. I agree. It was good. So this was the finale of season one. They had like a six or eight week break, and then season two, which we are getting into. We, we are planning on taking a break from classic, but not until after, not this upcoming one, but the one after. I don't want to spoil what it is for the people who do this podcast, because that's just kind of a, a more natural break than the generic season break, because they basically make this show year round.
1: I was wondering why they had, like, this really, like, <laughs> trying-to-be-thought-provoking ending of the episode. It's like, <laughs> right, with, oh, like, the
2: stars. And... Yeah, yeah, it's So like... We didn't bring that up at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I-, I guess that could be the end of a season. <laughs> but in, in throughout the 60s, they basically averaged, like, 45 episodes a year, which is why it's going to take us such a long time to get through the 60s. But then once once I get to the 70s, that goes down to 25 episodes a year, which is much easier to get through. It's like, oh, four stories, and we're on to the next season. Uh, but after season two, we'll find most of the 60s are missing. So for next time, Jill, you're going to love this. Three episodes.
0: Yes.
2: <laughs> That's it. You only have to sleep through two of them. hey <laughs> Perfect. It's a three-parter, it's called Planet of the Giants. It was supposed to be the second episode ever, but the script wasn't really good and wasn't ready, so they had to just grab any old script that was actually just completed, and they ended up making the Daleks.
0: Hmm. Who would
2: have thought that that dumb coincidence, that it was the only script ready, would have saved the show, and here we are. Almost 60 years later, talking about it. So they took
1: the one that they didn't want because it was bad and made it the first episode of the
2: next season? <laughs> it just wasn't ready. Oh, okay. And we'll talk about it more next week, but it still kind of isn't. Like, they shot four episodes, and they're like, this sucks. And they edited it down to three. Oof. And so we'll see later, they had to make another Sing so what we were talking about earlier, the one episode that doesn't have anyone in it, they had to make an episode to fill out the production schedule. So they they wrote and made a one episode story that has none of the main cast in it, because they already shot all their contracted episodes. Wow. Oh, well,
1: should be interesting. Alex,
2: give me the song. <laughs>
1: Boom 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 oh wrong. Uh. not that song.
2: Sorry. (laughs) God damn it. Uh, this has been Married to Who Our episode on the Reign of Terror If you would like to participate Maybe get some prizes Maybe tweet us your thoughts on things You can do so by following us on Twitter At pod If you want to listen to this podcast You can do so on Spotify Or Apple Podcasts Spotify only has our most hundred recent episodes But you can find all the episodes On our website MarriedToWho.com On behalf of myself, Jake Jill, Alex, Terry, and Cody and Sam out there somewhere. Thank you so much for listening. Please join us next time for Planet of Giants.
0: (laughs) Be do
1: do do do